Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Over the course of a season of 30 plus games, by the time you hit game 27, this is the level of maturity you expect to see. Good morning, everybody. Good afternoon. Good evening to you, whatever time you're listening to us. This is the H2P podcast here on DK Pittsburgh Sports. My name is Corey Christen. Pitt 79, Virginia Tech 64 at the Peterson Event Center on Saturday, February 24th, 2024. As we record this, just a couple of hours after Pitt takes down the Hokies. And for me, just watching the development of this game, there was a notable absence in the first half that I think allowed for the game to change direction once it got to the second half. And we're, of course, going to spend the majority of this show talking about Pitt's win over the Hokies and the biggest thing that stood out to me over it. In the second segment, I want to take time to analyze Pitt's schedule from this 2023-24 season and look at what I think is the biggest hole in that win-loss record that I think the NCAA Tournament Committee would keep Pitt out because of. This is a bubble team. This was a bubble game, meaning both teams really needed to win it. Pitt needed to win it by virtue of the absolute shellacking it took at Wake Forest not long ago. And Virginia Tech needed to win it simply to keep their NCAA hopes alive, their NCAA tournament hopes. Pitt gets the win. They win by 15. It was convincing in the second half, tied after the first half. Pitt outscores Virginia Tech 43-28 in the second half, and we'll get into some of the nuts and bolts of why that happened here shortly. But that's what we'll do in the second segment. We will look at this schedule, and not really year in review sense, but there's one game that when I look at this list of results for Pitt, that to me is just the nail in the coffin when it comes to that resume and comparing it with other teams across the country. The word I used at the top of the show was maturity, and that's the word that Jeff Capel used to describe Jalen Lowe and Bub Carrington after Pitt's win over Virginia Tech. In the first half of this game, again, Pitt and Virginia Tech tied at 36 at the break. At the first half, Jalen Lowe had eight points on one of five shooting. He had five of six he made from the free throw line. Bub Carrington played five minutes and 14 seconds in the first half. Did not attempt the field goal. Two personal fouls relatively early in the half, and that kept him on the bench. But then the second half, the script was flipped. Pitt went on an 18-0 run 
across a span of about five minutes. They were absolutely on fire. And two of the biggest reasons why they were able to go on such an emphatic run were Lowe and Carrington. For the total in the game, Jalen Lowe, 18 points, 6 of 13 shooting. So do the math, 1 of 5 in the first half makes 5 out of 8 in the second half. And then Bob Carrington, he plays 15 minutes in the second half. 3 of 4 shooting, 4 rebounds, 7 points, and a plus 20 for him when he's on the floor. That's the difference right there. In the first half, Bob Carrington was plus 8. For the game, he was plus 20. And by the way, maybe the most important impact performer was Zach Austin. He played 30 minutes, 4 of 8 from the field, 9 points, 14 rebounds, 5 blocks. 5 block shots. Nobody's blocked 5 shots in a game for Pitt since Guillermo Diaz-Graham did it in February of last year. This was a really good game for Zach Austin, who has turned into a really really good player for Pitt this season out of high point, the transfer. But this game, to me, spoke about what Jeff Capel spoke about, and that's maturity. Maturity from his two freshmen. Pitt didn't get anything out of Carrington in the first half, and they were tied. And they got very little out of low besides five out of six free throws. Those two guys were major, major reasons why the Panthers went on such a large run in the second half. Lowe, by the way, added six assists. Like, that's really good from your point guard when your two guard is not functioning the way he should. By the way, Lowe drew six fouls from Virginia Tech defenders out of the 21 out of the 20 that were committed, pardon me. So when you think about ball handling, ball distribution, Pitt totaled 13 assists on their 29 made baskets. In the first half, it was eight assists on 12 made baskets. So they were playing collective. They were playing connected in that first half. And then, of course, in the second half, some more isolation, Carrington obviously was back on the floor, and he has some ability to create his own shot. The way that these two freshmen have been growing over the last couple of months, and for me in particular, low, has been leaps and bounds, I think, what we expected in terms of growth. We knew Jalen Lowe, Bub Carrington, talented freshman coming out of high school into this class. But think back to when Dewar Johnson left the program in the summer and the state, if you will, of the point guard position. A lot of unknown, right? When you have true freshmen, never set foot on a college basketball court before, there is unknown to sift through. There's unknown to work through. And early in the season, of course, Carrington in his first ever college game had that triple-double. Can't take anything away from that. But for me, and I've said this in shows past, over the last couple of months, Lowe has been the more complete player. He's been more impactful to me than Carrington has. 
for the Panthers. And I think the smartest thing Jeff Cable did all season long was take Ish Leggett out of the starting lineup and put Jalen Lowe in it. After that, this team has had a different complexion. Now, this is far from a perfect basketball team. They're still severely lacking inside when it comes to the offensive side of the ball. They're still not really all there within a paint presence. Federico hasn't really developed his offensive game the way that there was a thought process of. You would think that Federico would have taken another step in his offensive game. Really hasn't. Guillermo, still more of a stretch four than a true five. That's fine and that's good to work around, but they still need to find that presence consistently inside. Federico has been good defensively, and that's what Federico pretty much has been over these last two years for Pitt. 20 minutes, he only attempted one shot from the field, gathered six rebounds, was plus seven out there. So kind of a so-so game for Federico. Guillermo, 19 minutes, three of four for eight points, three rebounds. When you look at the rebounding, of course, Zach Austin, 14, but then Leggett has six and Federico has six. So they get a balance there for rebounding. You want to see your bigs dominate the glass. You want to see your forwards clean up on the rebounds. So I think that's still a little bit of a hole for Pitt. But in the meantime, the development of these freshmen is really what has gave Pitt some life here in the latter stages of the season. Four games to play at Clemson on Tuesday, at Boston College in a week. They got Florida State at home. They got NC State at home to close the season in the beginning of March. So in two weeks' time, we're going to be talking about the totality of Pitt's resume. But when I come back for this second segment here on H2P, I want to talk about what I think is the biggest blemish on the Panthers' resume and what I think is the thing that not only can, but I think will, by this point, keep them out of the NCAA tournament. Right, second and final segment here on the H2P podcast. Corey Christen with you, recapping a 79-64 pit win over Virginia Tech, Saturday, February 24th, 2024. I'm looking at bracketology from ESPN, and by virtue of the loss pit took to Wake Forest, the Panthers are considered to be off of the bubble as of this moment. But looking from the quote-unquote bubble teams listed by ESPN, four of them have lost. Eight of them play still tonight as I record this. The only one that's won so far as of this moment on Saturday is Wake Forest. And Wake Forest had an emphatic upset over Duke. And I can sit here and talk about court storming and Kyle Filipowski and his ankle. If you haven't heard by now, Kyle Filipowski sustained an ankle injury coming off of the floor of Duke's loss at Lake Forest Saturday as a student 
or somebody, I guess, from Wake Forest storming the court ran into him and rolled his ankle up. John Shire, obviously not happy about it. Wake Forest put out a statement about it. It's a big thing right now. But regardless, looking at the paper, looking at the wins and losses, that loss to Wake Forest doesn't look so bad, I guess, after they just beat Duke. And now when you look at Pitt and their NCAA tournament resume, how does it stack up? Just in a general sense, without having to look across the country at what other teams are doing. In my opinion, the biggest thing that's going to keep Pitt out of the tournament, really there's two of them, are the non-conference strength of schedule, which for the Panthers is not great at all. And it's a couple of key losses. When you look at the non-conference schedule that Pitt played this year, and as a reminder, as a refresher, that is NCANT, Binghamton, Florida Gulf Coast, Jacksonville, Florida, Oregon State, Missouri, West Virginia, Kinesis, South Carolina State, and Purdue Fort Wayne. That schedule ranks 342nd in all of college basketball, according to Ken Palm. 342 out of 366. And surely the committee is going to notice that. Pitt started off the season 4-0 against four mid-majors. They scored 100 points in two of them. Then they went to the Barclays Center in the preseason NIT. They lost to Florida by 15. Now, I don't think that's a severe loss given neutral court and Florida right now is ranked 24th in the country. Then they go back and beat Oregon State by 25. Okay, good response. Two days later at the Barclays Center, neutral floor, Oregon State, not that good of a team. And again, when it comes to these non-conferences, this kind of thing, when you're a bubble team, it does matter. It does matter. As I pull up Oregon State's basketball schedule and their record right now, it's not a it's not a situation where we sit here and feel great about beating Oregon State. It's a good thing they beat them in hindsight, of course. It's always a good thing when you win a non-conference like that on neutral floor. But when you look at Oregon State's schedule and you look at their record this season, 12-16, and 4-13 and 13 in the Pac-12. That's not quality as far as a win goes. To me, the next two games, really, in, in, it's mainly this first one that I think is the thing that sinks Pitt this year. And that's the loss to Missouri at the Pete. 71-64 on November 28th at the Pete again. Missouri beats Pitt at the time. Missouri was 6-2. Pretty decent team at the time. But now when you look at Missouri, 8-19-0-14 in the SEC. Since they beat Pitt, Missouri is 2-17. Two and 17 
since Missouri beat Pitt in 0-14 in SEC play. They have not won a game in SEC play. I, when you have that kind of loss on the resume, I mean, what does that do for you? What does that do for you? They lost to Arkansas, Ole Miss, Tennessee, Mississippi State, Texas A&M, Vanderbilt, Arkansas again, South Carolina, A&M, Florida, Alabama, South Carolina, Kentucky, Georgia. They lost to them all. And they beat Pitt to begin the year at the Pete. This is the worst one on the schedule for me. And there's others. Don't get me wrong. Losing to Clemson by nine at home is not great. Losing to Syracuse twice is not great. Losing to Miami, which is a team that's really not going anywhere, not great. And then getting blown out at Wake Forest, 91-58 on Tuesday, not great. Remember last year in that run to the tournament, there were so many feel-good wins on that schedule. Of course, they beat Carolina twice, they beat Virginia. Those are the big ones. And they beat Miami once, and they came really damn close to beating them a second time. Yes, the win against Duke on this schedule is huge. No questioning that. And beating Wake Forest at the Pete, now in hindsight, is bigger than we thought. Beating NC State is quality. Beating Virginia in Charlottesville is quality. Those are quality wins. I'm not taking away from those. But I don't think they have the same gravitas as last year's resume did, and they still barely made it into the tournament with that resume last year. Losing to Michigan by 30 last year was bad until they put that really impressive resume together in the middle and later parts of the season. They were the one seed in the ACC going into the final day of the season last year, and they lost to Miami. I think the week non-conference combined with the losses they sustained, Missouri, Clemson, Syracuse twice, and Wake Forest once, and Miami once, I think those are the things that are going to sink Pitt when it comes to the NCAA tournament resume. Now, if they win out from this point, which would make it five in a row to close the regular season, again, at Clemson, at Boston College, against Florida State at home on March 5th, and then March 9th against NC State at the peak. If they could win out, that would put them at 22 and 9 and then 13 and 7 in the ACC if they make it into the if they make it into the ACC tournament excuse me with a double bye or at minimum single bye they'll have if they win one game or two games if they get to the semifinal if they get to the final of the ACC tournament is that enough what is enough to make up for that loss to Missouri and that loss to Clemson back-to-back at home? That's the question when it comes to Pitt that the committee is going to have to look at. And just from the eye test, and I know I talked about the maturity of the freshmen in the first segment, just from the eye test, 
I haven't once sat and watched Pitt this year and thought, that is a tournament team. That is a team that can make some noise in March. I don't feel that way about this team. Now, if they win out and they beat these four teams and they go to Clemson and win and they close the season with a win over NC State, maybe the conversation changes. But at this point, I think that is only qualified as maybe. Thank you for listening to this new episode of the H2P podcast. If you enjoyed this, please remember we are available where podcasts are found. Apple Podcasts, Google Play, and Spotify. Please like, please share, please subscribe, please download. All of that goes a very long way, and we greatly appreciate that. Subscribe to DK Pittsburgh Sports on YouTube. Next week, kind of a questionable up-in-the-air thing as I will be in the NFL Combine over in Indianapolis throughout the week. So unsure about a show for next week to kick off the month of March, but we will be back nonetheless in a couple weeks, if anything else. My name is Corey Christen. This has been the H2P Podcast. We'll talk to you soon. Cheers, everybody. Have a good one.